How many of you do not know your name's meaning? You don't know what your name actually means. Anybody would say, yeah, I really don't know. I know what I'm named, obviously, but I don't know where it comes from. I don't know the meaning behind it. Anybody like that? few of you? Okay, so I'm assuming most of you either know or you just don't want to admit that you don't. Want something like that. But um, names in our culture uh, definitely don't mean, by and large, what they mean in other cultures. You know, other cultures around the world, especially in the Middle East, uh, they tend to really focus on not just how a name sounds, but what a name means. And uh, in the Middle East, and especially in the Jewish culture, and then even more specifically in the Old Testament times, more so than at any other point in their history, the name of a person didn't just mean something significant, but it actually was kind of a, a prophecy, so to speak, over that person. It was something that um, was going to define that person, and in many cases it did. Um, their entire identity was wrapped up in their name and what that name meant and all the significance of that. Uh, And in many cases, it spoke to the heritage of a family. It spoke to the character of a person being named. And as God revealed his names to people all throughout history and has revealed them in his word, the same holds true. In the names of God beyond what our, our English language is limited with, you know, God, Lord. You really don't get much more than that just in the English. It goes so much beyond that, and in the different names that God has revealed about himself in his word, you really get a chance to see, to glimpse, to know his character, who he really is. Because what he conveys in his names is who he is as a person. It's what we can trust about him, what we can rely on, what we can depend on. I mean, it shows us his heart. That's what we can see and learn and discover by digging deep into the various specific names of our God as revealed throughout his word. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, for the next 12 weeks. We're starting our summer series today, What's in a Name? It's a 12-week study focusing on 12 specific Hebrew Old Testament names of God. This is not an exhaustive list. There's a lot more than 12, um, but I have focused in on 12 uh, that I feel just God would have us to focus on in our time together. And, and I pray that you will be blessed. I pray that you will be challenged. I pray that you will have a, a deeper appreciation, a sense of awe at who and what our God is as we dig deep into these names together over the next 12 weeks. Uh, I can't wait. I'm excited. I hope you are as well. And before we jump into this study, let's just, let's just pause and uh, commit our minds and our hearts to this great God that we're going to learn about, okay? Father, thank you so much for the ability we have to gather. Thank you for every single person that's here today. Thank you for what you've done in our lives uh, daily. Uh, Thank you for your power and your majesty, your holiness, your greatness, your grace. Father, we're going to see those attributes and more through the revelation of specific names, either 
that you personally communicated or that were ascribed to you, things that were uh, given to you by other people that you embraced and said, yeah, that's, that's absolutely fitting, and, and you preserved it in your word for generations to hear and read and know. Thank you so much for revealing yourself to us. You didn't have to. We certainly don't deserve your self-revelation, and yet you've given it to us. May we view all of these names and, and all that is wrapped up in these names, may we view it with a true sense of reverence and wonder and awe. May we not approach these holy names that you have revealed lightly. Thank you, though, that we can call on you with these names boldly. And thank you that we don't have to be Jewish to appreciate and embrace these names and and call you by them. Thank you for inviting us in to that rich history. I pray that by your Spirit you would awaken our hearts as we go into this study. I pray that you'd clear our minds, give us understanding, and may you draw us deeper in our walk with you, and may we apply the truths about you that we learn from these names to every aspect of our daily lives. We praise you for what you're going to do. We praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first name that we, we come to in this study as we begin is Elohim. Elohim. And that Hebrew word, that name, it means the strong one, the mighty one. And it actually specifically refers to the fact that God is the creator He's the creator of everything, all things. He's also the sovereign over all. He created it all. He rules it all. He orders it all. He orchestrates everything. So he's the creator. He's the sovereign over all things. And it also points to the Trinity. Elohim is a plural form of a, of a singular word, typically used to refer to just God in general, the false gods of the, of the uh, culture and the day. Uh, they would use El, and so this is a plural form of that singular word, and it's, it's intentionally used in the plural to point to the Trinity, the triune nature of God, the fact that He is three persons and yet one divine being, one divine substance in nature, and that there's unity of purpose and unity of power and unity of all the attributes and unity of all the plans and the will. Isn't that beautiful that it points to that? It points to the shared majesty existing equally within our triune God. In the first place, this awesome word shows up. It's fitting that it would show up at the very beginning of God's word, and that's where it comes up the first time. Genesis 1.1, which says, In the beginning, God, and that's the word Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. That means out of nothing, everything. Out of nothing. Only God. There was nothing besides Him. And out of, out from nothing, from no previously existing substance or, or anything at all, He created everything. Everything. From the, the great 
grand vastness of space down to the, the tiniest molecule and atom that even the most powerful microscope can't see. He created it all, all of it. And what this name Elohim conveys to us about God, we can clearly see in creation itself. You know, we don't have to have an advanced theological degree to understand this great nature and reality of God. We, we don't need all the, this training to fathom um, uh, just a little bit of, of what's wrapped up in this mighty one called Elohim. We see it in creation. And as we look around at creation, we can see that God is truly unparalleled in power. Do you agree with that? He is unparalleled in power. He's perfect in planning. And He is always, constantly, in complete control of everything. That, my friends, is very good news. That is, is what gets you out of bed in the morning, or what can, what should. It's not anything else. It's knowing that you have a God who is active and alive, reigning and ruling, ordering, in absolute power and in absolute control of everything. There's nothing outside of His control. That's where our confidence can come from and should come from. And we see that in creation. Still in Genesis 1, in that beginning chapter and narrative of of our origin story and the history of of everything, Genesis 1.16 says this, God made the two great lights, talking about the sun and the moon, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night. And then catch, catch this last statement that's made in this verse, almost as, as an afterthought, as well as the stars. <laughs> some, some of your translations might say, and the stars he made also. It's like, oh yeah, uh, he also made all the stars. And we read things like that, and we read, he made the heavens and the earth, and we're just so familiar with that, and it kind of just goes in one ear and out the other. We read, and he also made the stars, or as well as the stars, and we don't really ponder on that too much. We just kind of see it at face value. But Isaiah 40, 25-26 says this, to whom, this is God speaking, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up and see. Who created these things? Who created all of this? He brings out the stars by number. He calls all of them by name. Because of His great power. Remember, Elohim means strong one, mighty one, unparalleled in power. Because of His great power and strength, not one of them is missing, which will be very significant in just a second. The fact that He calls them all by name, brings them all out one by one, not one of them is missing. That's the God that this is talking about. That's the God who does these things. This is Elohim, the great creator, that you're able to know personally and that you are known by personally, loved personally. That's that's who we're talking about here. And with this phrase in Genesis 1.16, when just at the end and the stars he made also, kind of again like, by the way, 
he made all the stars too. And the fact that he brings out the stars by number and names them all, here's what all that actually means. And some of you may know this and realize this, some of you may not, but if you know it, just pretend like you don't and just be wowed and and in awe of this all over again, okay? There are between 100 and 200 billion, I don't even know what that number really means, do you? I mean... You know, it's not like I'm rolling up in here with, you know, a cool billion. No, not, no. So billion, I mean, goodness gracious, what kind of a number? But 100 to 200 billion galaxies, and that's just in the observable universe. You know, I mean, our technology continues to develop and advance and increase. And the more we go forward in time, the more we're able to learn about you know, our universe and, and the world and, and stars and planets and everything. And so what is observable compared now compared to what was observable years ago, that's increased, but it's still really just a fraction of what's actually out there in the universe and all that God has made. So just in the observable, trackable universe, there's between 100 and 2 billion galaxies. And these galaxies go from dwarf galaxies, you know, little tiny things, with only 10 million stars, just 10 million stars. That's why they're dwarf galaxies. They go from that to giant galaxies with 100 trillion stars, at least. That's, that's 100 with 12 zeros after it. Our own Milky Way galaxy, you know, where, where our planet Earth is, where we are, our own Milky Way galaxy contains over 100 billion stars. So that's a little bit of what God was conveying by His Word when, when it says, and the stars He made also, or stars He made as well. <laughs> And, and the fact that this God who made all those stars, those trillions and trillions of stars in the hundreds of billions of galaxies that there are, he knows them all by name, which no astronomer is ever going to be able to claim. He calls them out. He knows exactly where they are in the galaxies, where they are in the universe. He pinpointed them with pre- precision exactly where they were supposed to be, and he knows that's where they still are. He knows when one burned up. He knows when a star went nova or supernova and it's no longer there. He doesn't miss that. That's the greatness and the grandeur and the majesty and the scope of our God. Yeah, we should be in awe of Elohim. Another example of God's power and planning and control is the absolute perfect distance of the earth from the sun. It's, it's just perfectly distanced. It's 94 million miles away. And yet, look at that. Look outside. Everybody turn and look at this beautiful day we have. 94 million miles away, and that's what we're still able to see. You can still get a sunburn. You can still get that nice tanned skin that Bo has from doing all the mowing, you know, that copper tone. 
which he needs to be careful of because we also know that even though 94 million miles away, and even though our sun is a baby sun, really, compared to a lot of the other stars that are out there, it can still cause bad things to our skin. I just had some biopsies done uh, because of that. You know, it can damage the skin pretty easily. But it's 94 million miles away, and, and it's exactly the perfect distance from the earth that is needed because uh, the sun obviously warms the earth, but it, it's not too hot. We don't burn up. Uh, nor is it too cold because it's farther. Uh, it's exactly right. It's what we need down to the, down to the degree, down to the exact distance. Um, also, the earth's tilt on its axis. I mean, the earth is actually tilted, and it's perfectly balanced on that, that tilt um, to the very necessary, down to the smallest, tiniest degree of tilt, which is 23.5 degrees. That's the degree of, of tilt, of angle that we have on our axis. And that grants us the perfect amount of sun and moonlight, which is necessary for all of life on this planet. If it were tilted any more, the temperature, I mean, just even a fraction of a degree, if it were tilted a fraction of a degree more than what it is, the temperature would swing too much between super hot summers and super cold winters. And I know we already feel like we have that in West Virginia, but I promise you, we don't. If it were tilted any less, too much sunshine all year long would superheat the equator and it would then uh, cause too little heat to reach the north and the south regions. So life wouldn't be able to exist. Wow, right? The, the precision and the planning and the intimate care and the power to do all that and to maintain all of that should just constantly blow our minds and constantly anchor our souls. It should anchor our very souls. It should be the ammunition against all of our anxiety, knowing that this God who does all of that knows you, loves you, has you in His great, vast hand that keeps all that going. And my friends, knowing that God is this Creator, knowing God as Elohim, it doesn't just impact what we think or believe about the origin of life. I mean, it should. It should absolutely impact your, your thoughts about how all this came to be. It should absolutely inform and impact what you think about the origin of life, creation. It absolutely should. But it, it shouldn't just impact that. This isn't just an intellectual reality. This isn't just a theological reality. Rather, this should impact every part of our day-to-day life. Seeing God in this way. Understanding this is how He is and who He is and what He is and what He does. It should absolutely impact and direct and dominate every part of your day-to-day life and experience. Because here's the thing. 
If God can make and manage over a hundred billion galaxies full of countless stars and planets, and He can perfectly position the earth in space, then He can certainly manage the circumstances in and around your life. If He's able to do all that we just scratch the surface of, then we can hear from Him a confident and resounding and consistent statement, I got this. We can all hear that. No matter what we're experiencing in our lives, no matter what we're going through, no matter what happens around our lives and in our world, we can hear from Elohim, I've got this, and I've got you. So no matter what virus rages around the planet, no matter what pandemic comes across the planet and affects different people, no matter what chaos ensues around us, politically or otherwise, no matter what injustice we see in our society, as we have recently seen again, as horrible and disgusting and tragic as the injustices that we've all been witnessing are, none of it changes this God. None of it changes Him from being the same Elohim that spoke entire galaxies into existence and keeps those galaxies functioning. It hasn't knocked earth off its axis. None of the stuff that's happened. And it hasn't knocked God off of His throne. So what are you worrying about today, like right now? What have you brought into this place that you just haven't been able to shake? What uncertainty? What anxiety? What fear? God's shoulders are big enough to bear it, whatever it may be. God's hands are strong enough to hold it and hold you at the same time. And His invitation to you is, let me. Let me. That's what he's saying to all of us today. Let go. Let go of what you've been holding on to. Let go of what you've been conquered by all these days and weeks and hours and months. Let go of that crushing burden of fear or anxiety or worry or uncertainty. Let it go. You were never meant to carry it, but I can. And I will. Will you let me have it? Will you let me hold you? That's, that's what he's asking us to do today. And that's what we can do today, now, this moment. And the reason we can do all of that, and the reason we can trust this great, mighty God, this Elohim, is because God is not a distant designer God is not some distant designer that started this ball rolling and then he took his hands off and so he's just going to let it go however he wants. It's going to progress as it may. His hands are off the wheel. No, not at all. God is not a distant designer. He knows the names of billions of stars. We just, we just heard that. He knows the names of billions of stars. But listen to me, hear this, everybody. But he also knows your name. 
He, he mapped out the details and length of the universe. But he also mapped out all the details and length of your life. He authored your story. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16 tells this. This is just, this passage of Scripture is the kind that is so powerful and so meaningful that it's hard not to just fall down on your face as you're reading it or as you're hearing it. it it's just such a, a, a source of invoking worship. Here's what David says. For it was you who created my inward parts. The smallest detail of my existence in my body, you, you created it. It's, it's the idea of, of, a, of an artist just drawing out lines. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Some translations say, I have been fearfully made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Verse 16 says, your eyes, he's speaking to his creator, to Elohim, your eyes saw me when I was formless. There's an answer to all the people that say life doesn't begin at conception. Life doesn't begin until there's really a, a certain observable state, until it's a certain, until the, the fetus and the unborn baby is a certain place in their development. There's your answer right there for how that's not true. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. You are not an accident. No one is. You are not some random collection and coming together of just the right, you know, molecules and atoms and, oh, just by coincidence, here's life. No, not at all. You have a purpose. You have meaning. You have value. You have a story that was written and a life that was full and rich and planned before you ever drew a breath. And the purpose, the main purpose for all life, all human life, is that they would come to know come to see, acknowledge, and surrender that life to their Creator. And here's something else that I want to draw your attention to and make sure that we all remember. It was Jesus that actually did the work of creating. And it is Jesus, He continues to do the work of sustaining Jesus, the Son of God, did the actual work of creating, and He continues to do the work of sustaining all that He created. 
He's not a hands-off creator. He's not a distant designer. He's right there in it all. He's still intimately, intricately involved, still ordering and working and orchestrating it all. Colossians 1, 15 through 17 tells us this. He, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That does not mean that the Son of God was ever not in existence. That's referring to his, his position of honor and power and prominence. Okay, that's like a royal position. That's what that means. The firstborn over all creation, that's the preeminent one. For everything, don't miss this, verse 16, for everything was created by him, by Jesus, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, which is why Romans 13 is so important, that all of our human government and authority that we have over us, whether we like it or not, was created, that institution was created by Jesus, and the people occupying those institutions were placed by Jesus and deserve our honor, our respect, our submission, in our prayer. That's another sermon for another time. But I couldn't resist. Whether rulers, dominions, or authorities, all things. What's left out of of that? If, If something has all or it's all things, is there anything left out of that? No. So all things have been created through him and for him. He is the source of creation. He is the goal of creation. He is before all things, and and don't miss this, and by him all things hold together or consist. Wow. Wow. See, like I said at the beginning, Elohim contains and refers to the entire trinity because the entire trinity was active in creation and what was true of one is true of the other member and jesus is the actual manifestation the image of all the invisible attributes and characteristics of elohim and the most amazing fact of all I mean, as amazing as these facts have been, I hope they've amazed you. Have they amazed you this morning, these facts that we've gone through? As amazing as all these facts have been and are, the most amazing fact of all to me, and I hope it will be for you as well, is that our Creator and Sustainer was also our sacrificial Savior. Just our Creator and sustainer was also our sacrificial savior. The one who framed the stars and formed the ocean. The one who carved the mountains and still paints the sky with sunsets. Stretched out his hands for you personally on the cross. Also that you would be rescued and redeemed. Reconciled and made righteous and fully forever adopted by Elohim. That's 
that's what Jesus did for you, for me. And for all of us, that's true for. If that's your story, if you can say, yes, amen, I have been rescued and redeemed, and I have been reconciled and made righteous, and I know I've been adopted by God. Yes, I know that's true of me. I stand in that reality. Praise God. Hallelujah. If that's true of you, for all of us, that's true for. This should result in supreme love for him above any other love. This should result in total devotion to him, more and highly devoted than to any other person or thing or cause. And this should result in a life, a life lived in awe and worship of him. That's what all of this should result in. Do you know this God? Do you know Elohim? Do you know him not just intellectually or historically or theologically, but do you know him intimately, personally? Do you know you're known by him personally? Have you given your life to the one who gave you life and to the one who came to give his life for you? Do you know that God? If so, if so, marvel at him. Love him supremely. Be devoted to him above any other devotion. And live in constant awe and worship of Him. May your life, may my life, be a life song of worship and praise to this God. Would you pray with me now? Father, that we can even, that we can even call you that is in itself astounding. You being who and what you are, and this is just this is just the first name of yours that you reveal in Scripture, just the first one, and all that we've seen, and all that we've heard, and all that we've been reminded of this morning. As great as you are, as high above us as you are, as majestic and unapproachable as you should be, yet through your Son Jesus. You've invited us and made it possible for us to call you Abba. That's another name for you for those who are in Christ. Daddy. That we can call you the strong one, you the creator, you the sovereign over all things, you the one who, who truly is incomparable and unparalleled in your power, perfect in your planning and in constant control of every every detail of life that we can call you daddy. All because of Jesus. So Father, I pray for all of us who know you in this way that what would be constantly true of us is that we would be full of genuine and supreme love for you that we would be totally devoted to you and that we would be in awe and in worship of you in every part of our life, that our life would truly be a life song of praise and of worship and of witness to the rest of this world. We praise you for who and what you are, and we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.